This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from February the 5th, the first hilarious glothic tale written by Derek Haynes. A farcical sci-fi galactic fantasy. Welcome to Gloth. After the sudden and mysterious death of his father, a young fool becomes the ruler of twelve whole sun systems and quickly discovers he has some very nasty enemies, particularly the ones who, quite quickly, start shooting at him. In a remarkable turn of events, a young man with a lot definitely not going for him manages to come to terms with a startling reality. He has to grow up. Being handicapped by having rather nasty acne and an odd eye impediment, he also has to suffer the fact that his name is February, or at best Feb, to his very limited number of friends. While not at all wishing to rush into this startling new reality, circumstances and a few elbow nudges from his very protective elder sister ensure that his not-at-all-wishing turns out to be a complete waste of time. Thrust totally and unwillingly into a position of authority by early afternoon, February finds himself with a new appendage tacked on to the end of his name, the fifth, the new and very authoritative part of his name, February the fifth and supreme potentate of the twelve sun systems of Gloth. Of course, as is the case in all such rapid and thrusting types of promotion to positions of power, there will be those who are not happy about it. In February's case, however, he finds that, in fact, these amount to just about everyone apart from his three sisters. Undaunted by this reality, Feb accepts his new responsibility and by early evening sets about getting himself into a real tangle. His only true achievement being that he discovers that quite a few of those who weren't so happy are, in fact, really very upset about the whole fifth appendage deal. By bedtime, he thinks he is in trouble. Before lunchtime the next day, he is sure. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from February the 5th. 1. Gloth As far as planets go, Gloth is definitely one you could classify as your relatively average habitable planet. It's got three moons, although only one is actually big enough to see most nights, as the smaller two have been mined for so long that they have been reduced to nothing more than small, reflection-free orbiting rocks. Somehow, the third moon was lucky enough to be resource-free and thus able to carry on reflecting and shining brightly at night, like moons are supposed to do. Gloth's climate is quite nice, and it is only in the upper reaches of its poles that it gets a bit chilly in the mornings. 
Being well known for having attractive pink oceans and uniformly pale mauve rivers with remarkably few twists and turns, it's the abundance of extremely high waterfalls that really attracts the tourists, particularly the honeymooners, even given the aforementioned dead moon or two problem. Being the sixth planet from the Sun, in a system of twelve planets called Sun System One, it is conveniently located and benefits economically from being the central hub that lured the headquarters of literally thousands of multiplanetary and multigalactical industrial monopolies, and it is a tax haven for hundreds and hundreds of banks and lenders of last resort. It is also famous for having been quite a warmonger earlier in its history. This was brought about because a few million years earlier, Gloth discovered that it wasn't alone and had to cease with its petty little civil wars, quickly sign a few peace treaties, and start fighting wars with these newly discovered planetary neighbors. Then, just when things were settling down and two relatively equal alliances had been formed that conveniently counterbalanced each other and an ongoing war was possible without too many people getting hurt, a neighboring sun system was discovered to be populated and quite obviously needed fighting. So, with a new war starting, the two alliances of Sun System 1 amalgamated to fight the war against the new threat that logically came from Sun System 2, as they imaginatively called it. To cut a long story short, this process carried on for roughly a million and a half years, as every now and then, the discovery of a new sun system meant that new alliances, treaties, amalgamations, coalitions, and strange bedfellows were needed to fight these new and essential wars. As luck would have it, after the twelfth sun system was discovered, and of course needed fighting and conquering, no more sun systems were close enough to be discovered. This didn't necessarily mean everyone was happy, but it did stop the need for full-scale wars, and the following few hundred thousand years have seen only minor skirmishes between the odd planet here and there that doesn't like the other planet for some silly reason. As a result of all the major wars, which Gloth won, of course, Gloth has become the center of its own little universe of twelve sun systems, all of which are located in a very small area in the very far bottom left-hand corner of a long outer spiral arm of a galaxy called the Milky Way. Luckily for the rest of the Milky Way, the twelve sun systems of Gloth are so far away from any other viable sun system that it is unlikely they will ever know that anything or anyone else exists. So as far as major wars go, they have probably fought as many as they possibly can. All that is left now is to bicker amongst themselves in their tiny little outer patch of the universe. Of course, the good people of Gloth believe that they are located at the center of not only the Milky Way, but of the universe itself. This was brought about because all of Gloth's astronomers, astrophysicists, and quantum physicists wanted to keep their research funding, so they fine-tuned their findings to suit the political and theological beliefs of the fine people of Gloth, and, of course, the various Glothic institutions and multi-galactical industrial monopolies that supplied the money. From the very first civil war between the ancient tribes of Gloth, however, one family began to dominate all spheres of political life. And through their history of conquests during the long years of civil wars became the royal family of Gloth, and then, in time, the entire Twelve Sun Systems. 
Although history is rather vague about their tribal ancestry prior to the civil wars of Gloth, it has been well recorded that since that time, some two million years ago, the Gregorian royal family has always been in charge of everything, with the first recorded supreme potentate of Gloth being January the 1st. The following story is about one of January the 1st's latter-day ancestors, February. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from February the 5th. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.